People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. In all honesty, it feels kind of bizarre to be in the studio today in light of yesterday's tragedy. As I'm sure most of you know by now, yesterday morning at 9.47 a.m. Pacific time, there was a helicopter crash in Calabasas that killed nine people. On board that helicopter was Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter, Gianna, Orange Coast College baseball coach, John Altabelli, his wife, Carrie, and their daughter, Alyssa, Christina Mauser, who was the top assistant coach of the Mamba Girls basketball team, Sarah Chester and her 13-year-old daughter, Peyton, and Ara Zobayan, who was Kobe Bryant's personal pilot. And this news broke, and I, I've, it just rocked the world. Yeah, right? I think, I mean, everyone thought it was fake when it first came out. I think it's that thing that happens when you see something so tragic, and I think everyone's first reaction is to kind of hope that it's fake. You can't, it's un, it's unfathomable. You can't imagine that it's real, you know? Well, especially with somebody like Kobe Bryant, which was the discussion that you and I were having before, where it's like, you have somebody who is with athletes. They're they're like the closest thing to like a god that you get because they're just born differently, especially like somebody Kobe, mm-hmm. like Kobe Bryant. So you think they're just larger than life and these things can't happen. And it's like on the most micro level, it's like remember when you were little and your parents would get sick and they would like have a cold or a fever and you'd be like, what? You guys get sick? It was exactly. like the most confusing thing in the entire world. And I think that's like kind of how this felt. Yeah, I mean, I think if he's as superhuman as as it gets. And I don't know, you don't believe that things like this happen to those types of people, which of course, as we as moments like this remind us, life is so fleeting and, and temporary, but it, it's just a really hard one. It really hit hard for everyone. Yeah. And, you know, this happened yesterday, obviously. We knew we were recording an episode today that was going to be a Grammys recap, which we will do. But we wanted to take the first part of the episode and kind of just do a little tribute to him. So 
you know, if we were going to do a full deep dive, we'd want to have more time to prepare and really give it the respect that it deserves, but we didn't have that kind of time. So we wanted to give some background, but then we thought it would be really nice to highlight some of the tributes by the people that knew him best, because as much as I think we all feel like we knew him, we didn't. And some of his closest teammates and friends had such unbelievably touching words to say. And it was a lot to read, so I don't think everybody got through them all. So I thought it would be really nice if we could just go through and, and highlight some of those. Yeah. But let's just give a little bit of background because, you know, he was one of those guys where everybody knew his name and everybody knew his legacy, but I don't think everybody knew all of the details of of his career yeah. or why he was considered so great. I mean, of course, sports fans did, but not everybody did. And I think, I don't know, it would be nice to just do a little bit of that, right? Yeah. So he was born August 23rd, 1978 in Philadelphia, and he was the youngest of three. So his father was also in the NBA. His name was Joe Bryant. And Kobe started playing when he was three years old. And growing up his entire life, the Lakers were his favorite team, which is always kind of very full circle when that yeah. happens, when it's like a childhood dream and then you become a star player. So he went to Lower Marion High School in this Philadelphia suburb of Lower Marion, and he played in the, bar the varsity basketball team as a freshman. This was kind of just a fun fact that we found out yesterday in doing our research. In 1996, he actually took Brandy, the R&B singer, to his senior prom. And so crazy when things like that happen. Did you see the picture from yesterday? Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's wild. It's crazy. So he entered the draft in 1996 right out of high school. So he didn't attend college. And he was drafted in the first round. He was the 13th overall pick by the Charlotte Hornets. And he was traded immediately to the Lakers. So he's one of the only... Uh, players who played on one team throughout his, his entire, entire career, career, which is pretty yeah. unbelievable. So in November of 1999, when he was 21, he met Vanessa, who Vanessa Lane at the time, she was 17 years old. And she was working as a background dancer on the music video for Jeet Up. They started dating and they were engaged six months later which is crazy to think about. I know. You know? I mean, I was reading it yesterday, and she was still in high school at the time. And I guess there was something about she had a, she either dropped out and got her GED or she was being private, tutored in private because there was, I don't know if it was controversy around the relationship, but it was definitely, she was very young at the time, and she was engaged by the time she was 18. Yeah. So they had their first daughter, Natalie, who was born January 2003. Their second daughter, Gianna, who was tragically killed in the accident yesterday as well, was born May 1st, 2006. Their third daughter, Bianca, was born December of 2016. And their youngest daughter, Capri, was born June of 2019. So she's not even one years old. Oh, it's so yeah. crazy reading this. So from 1997 to 2006, so the first nine years of his career, Kobe wore the number eight. And he switched to the number 24 in 2007. And he had that number for the next nine years of his career from 2007 till he retired in 2016, which I'm sure you saw all over social media, like hashtag 24 ever. And that number has just become synonymous with him and with greatness. He is a five-time NBA champ, a two-time NBA finals MVP. He also was the NBA MVP in 2008. He's a two-time Olympic gold medalist. And he also won an Oscar in 2018 for the best animated short film, Dear Basketball. Did you watch it? I did. Yeah. 
it was, oh my God, it's this cartoon that it's a six minute long video just about how he grew up and he was, he'll always be the kid that, you know, was shooting rolled up socks and, you know, with five seconds left on the shot clock. It's, um, you know, we were talking about this before that, you know, I'm 25, Julie's 23. And so of course we, you know, grew up knowing Kobe, of course, but I would say our generation, it's more uh, LeBron, I guess, if we're choosing one person. Like, we were a little too young for right. his his prime, I guess you could say. But, I mean, I grew up always the boys in school shooting, shooting, Kobe, shooting yeah. you know, they would shoot, um, you know, paper balls into the trash can and yelling Kobe. That was, I mean, such a Everybody, thing. Yeah. And I saw a really nice post today, and it was like, for all those boys in high school that are gonna, that were going to shoot their paper or whatever, like, still say Kobe's name. Yeah. He deserves that. Yeah. So he retired from the NBA in 2016, which, I mean, that game was, I think, one of the most monumental in sports history. Yeah. First off, he had an unbelievable game. He scored like 60 points. points. Yeah. And I I wasn't there, but I just remember um, when that happened, the the hype around it. Oh, my God. It was, I mean, when you have a player who's so iconic and so big to the game retire, it's like the whole, everybody comes together. If you're a sports fan or not, I mean, I'm not. You know, I never really cared much about the NBA, but it was like you, you stop for one of those moments. It really. So, you know, we wanted to just read some of the tributes from, again, some of his teammates, some of his friends, just because they really knew him um, on a level that none of us could. And in case anybody didn't have time to read all of them, because there's there's a, quite a few, I just felt like it was a really nice thing to do. And uh, our hearts are so, so deeply with, Vanessa and his family and all of the families of everyone killed. This is, it's really unfathomable. It's kind of, it does not feel real. No. I mean, especially to find out, you know, his daughter and other, it's just, it's a lot. It's really a lot to process. Also, you know, taking helicopters was not something that was new to him. It was kind of his way of dodging the traffic and being able to spend more time with his family. So he took helicopters throughout his entire NBA career and where he was going was to his daughter's basketball practice at his Mamba Basketball Academy. And that's something they did all the time. I mean, yeah, he was so dedicated to her basketball career. I mean, he lit up when he spoke about it. I was watching a Jimmy Kimmel interview that I'm sure you saw where he's, you know, he was talking about his daughter and how when they go out and they go out and there would be people, fans come up to him and his daughter would be right by his side as she kind of always was. And people would say to him, like, Kobe, you you got to have a son. Like, you have to have somebody to carry on the legacy. And his daughter would be like, no, I got this. Like, that's me. I'm carrying it on. So oh, just a bond that I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So the first one that we wanted to read was from Derek Jeter. He put this on the Players Tribune. So he wrote, all I ever needed to know about Kobe Bryant was this, that throughout our friendship, the most meaningful conversations we had, they were always about family. Put aside one of the all-time great basketball careers for a second. Put aside his famous work ethic, the Mamba mentality, that incredible will to win. I'll let everyone else tackle that. But when I think of Kobe, I really just end up thinking about those special few personal conversations that we were lucky enough to share together. Each time one of us had a new baby daughter. I end up thinking about how here was this guy who was beyond gifted as an athlete, who was obsessed with being a champion, who was known as an absolute assassin with the ball in his hands. And in the moments I got to spend with him, He didn't really talk about any of that. He cared much more about being a husband to Vanessa and a dad to his girls. He loved his family. He was his family. That's what was important. And that's the Kobe I'll remember. I want to give my deepest condolences to Vanessa and the rest of the Bryant family and to the families of the other passengers. 
Tragedies like this have a cruel way of reminding us of what's important in life, spending time with our loved ones and being there for them no matter what, which makes today's events feel especially cruel because no one needed less reminding than Kobe. I've seen the guy go for 81. I've seen him hit all kinds of buzzer beaters. I've seen him win gold medals and championship rings, but I've still never seen him look as happy in those big moments on the court as he looked the other day off of it, with an arm around Gigi sitting courtside and just talking. Yeah, sure, talking hoops, but you got the feeling in those moments that he would have been content talking about anything. Kobe just loved being a dad. And when it comes to his legacy, I really hope we're able to take the time to remember that as an essential part of it. Rest in peace to Gianna Bryant. Rest in peace to the other passengers on board. And rest in peace to Kobe Bryant, who knew that his life was only as important as the love he had for the people in it, who knew that he was born to play basketball, but it was family over everything. Oh, God, it's like... Um, also Phil Jackson, who was the coach of the Lakers who won five NBA championships with Kobe said, my heart goes out to Vanessa and the families that lost loved ones. Kobe was a chosen one, special in many ways to many people. Our relationship as coach player transcended the norm. He went beyond the veil. Obama also tweeted, Kobe was a legend on the court and just getting started in what would have been just as meaningful a second act. To lose Gianna is even more heartbreaking to us as parents. Michelle and I send love and prayers to Vanessa and the entire Bryant family on an unthinkable day. So, as I'm sure you guys know, obviously Kobe and Shaq had a very, very close relationship. They played on the Lakers together. They are considered as two of the greatest to ever be in the NBA. Well, you know what's funny is that they didn't when they were first When they together. were first, yeah, of course. Well, did you watch that interview of Shaq talking about why he they put the— their issues aside. No. So there's a, there's a story that I don't know what game it was that they got uh, like co-MVP. I think it was the, um, it wasn't an NBA game. It was the all-star game, I think. And they got co-MVP and Kobe said to Shaq to take home the trophy and give it to his son. And Shaq was like, in that moment, I was like, a lot of this has to be on me because someone can't be that good and have me take the trophy home just to give to my son. And his son loves Kobe in there. We'll get into that soon. So, oh, I know I yeah. didn't see that interview. Yeah. That's really special. So Shaq, you know, of course was in, I think, disbelief. And he posted on Instagram also when he tweeted, there's no words to express the pain I'm going through with this tragedy of losing my niece, Gigi, and my brother, Kobe Bryant. I love you and you will be missed. My condolences goes out to the Bryan family and the families of the other passengers on board. I'm sick right now. Then he said, Kobe was so much more than an athlete. He was a family man. That's what we had most in common. I would hug his children like they were my own and he would embrace my kids like they were his. His baby girl, Gigi, was born on the same day as my youngest daughter, Mayara. So one of Shaq's sons, Sharif O'Neal. Also, I mean, as Shaq kind of explained in that, Kobe was an uncle to him. It was, like, truly, their relationship was so, so, so close. And he first shared a DM conversation from that morning, from yesterday morning, of him and Kobe going back and forth. And it was at 8.19 a.m., which was really like an hour before the helicopter crash. Yeah. So there were two posts. That one he captioned. This first picture were messages from this morning. I wish I didn't sleep in so I could have talked to you. I can't even think straight right now. I'm glad we got to bond over the years. Not only were you a great uncle, you were a coach and a mentor to me too. I love you, man. Thank you for everything you've done for the city, for the basketball world, and for me. I won't let you down. You always counted on me and lifted me up. Love you, Unc. He also posted another Instagram, which were previous DMs with Kobe because um, 
Shaq's son was in the hospital for a while, and when he got back to the game, Kobe was just so supportive of him, constantly messaging him, checking in on him. And he posted those DMs, and he captioned, I'm crying while reading these messages over. Even when I was at my worst, you checked in on me so often. I really appreciate you for that because I needed that so much. I was so defeated sitting in a hospital bed every day, and I thought my basketball life was over. You brought a smile to my face. Thank you. Love you. Oh, there were obviously so many tributes and we're not able to read them all, but the one that I think people are, the person that I think was one of the first people everybody thought about in light of this was LeBron James. And he, as of right now, which is 10 a.m. on Monday morning, he hasn't spoken about it, but on Saturday, which was a day before Kobe's passing, LeBron passed Kobe as number three on the all-time scoring list, which is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Karl Malone, LeBron now three, Kobe, and then Michael Jordan. And Kobe's last tweet ever was, continuing to move the game forward at King James. Much respect, my brother. So after the game, when LeBron broke this record, he talked about meeting Kobe in Philadelphia during the 2002 NBA All-Star Weekend and how Kobe gave him this special red, white, and blue colorway of his signature sneakers. And Kobe was a size 14, LeBron was a size 15, but he didn't care. He wore them anyway in a matchup game um, against the high school aged Carmelo, which is just so crazy to think about that. And in talking about it after the game, LeBron said, quote, It's just too much. It's too much. This story is too much. It doesn't make sense. Just to make a long story short, now I'm here in a Lakers uniform in Philadelphia where he's from. The first time I ever met him, gave me his shoes on All-Star Weekend. It's surreal. It doesn't make no sense, but the universe just puts things in your life. And I guess when you live in the right way, when you just give it everything to whatever you're doing, things happen organically. And it's not supposed to make sense, but it just happens. And I'm happy just to be in any conversation with Kobe Bean Bryant, one of the all-time greatest basketball players to ever play, one of the all-time greatest Lakers. The man has two jerseys hanging up in Staples Center. It's just crazy. So, again, we haven't heard from LeBron yet. The only thing we saw of him was the video of when he landed. And it's really blurry, so you can't see, but I believe he's hugging his wife. And you can tell, I mean, he's hysterical. And you can just see he's so shaken up. I I can't imagine. Like like we were saying, we— We've never met him. He's so far out of orbit, yet this still rocked us. Yeah. I actually can't remember a time where I was, like, so shaken. But, I mean, I mean, oh, my God. I can't even. I was everything on Twitter, everything on Instagram, everything on TikTok. It's just. This was, in my lifetime at least, I can say I felt like myself and everybody around me was the most impacted, I think, by any public figure death in my in my life. Would you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, because I, I, it's so multi-layered. It's, it's on one hand, it's Kobe, who you just like, you grew up with. I mean, he was, for, even for non-sports fans, like we're not, you know what I mean? And, and he was still so present and so part of every single conversation. And one of the things I really noticed was um, everybody had a picture to post with them, which isn't always my favorite thing. But regardless, you know, that aside, it's like, Every single person who was posting had a picture with him because everyone had an experience and everyone wanted to meet him. And when they went into the Staples Center and they saw him, that's who they went out of their way to see. And, you know, there were stories of people on TV sets, Modern Family and and all of these other shows where Kobe came because he just wanted to see a show and he he respected what they did. And they were like, what are, what are you doing here? And he was like, I just wanted to see, I love the show. I wanted to see it filmed. And all of these people just have 
all of these moments and memories and everything with him. And, and Vinny from Jersey Shore, who spoke about who was wearing his jersey in the crowd one night and Kobe pulled him out. It's like, he's, it's just the, next the class day. level you can't imagine. It's like, it's an admiration you can't imagine. And she see how Vinny said the next day there were like 20 pairs of Kobe's shoe yeah. at, his, at his store. He just seemed like the kind of person where there are some people where you meet them and— that's kind of it. And then there's other people that when you meet them, their impact on you is just forever kind of ingrained in you. And he seemed like the kind of person that to meet him is to be impacted by him. And I have never met him, so I can't speak for that myself, but that was what we got from really so many people. Yeah. And I think that video of him and his daughter going, I mean, it was just last week. That video was everywhere. Them talking, them sitting courtside at the game and him just, it was such a normal, like, father conversation. Like, just to sit at a sports game with your dad and talk about the game. And it was just, it was everywhere. And it's just so haunting now to see that because it was, we were celebrating that video a week ago. It really, yeah. I, when I got, when I walked into my building yesterday, I forgot to tell you this, the doorman was hysterically crying. Oh my God. It was, at, it felt dark everywhere yesterday. Everywhere felt dark. And, you know, obviously we're not from LA, but so many of the, um, People that grew up in L.A., whether they were Lakers fans or whether they were Sacramento Kings fans, said whether we were rooting for you or against you, your presence was so known and going to see you was such a privilege every time. And I think in addition to the rest of the world, it really rocked the city of Los Angeles. Yeah. That tweet that we we posted, um, this guy, Zach, I forget his— Schwartz? Schwartz, I think was his last name. He was saying that he went to a, um, a florist on his way to Staples Center because he wanted to, you know— put flowers at the stable center to honor his memory. And he said, you know, can I have purple and yellow roses or whatever? And the, and the woman said for Kobe. And he said, yeah. And when he went to say, you know, how much? She said, no, it's yeah. it's on me. And, and by the way, did you see that? The, the florist, florist then saw the tweet. Yeah. Saw the tweet. I guess it was just this real sense of camaraderie among, among the city. And uh, okay, let's read a couple more because I don't know if you guys read these and then, and then we'll um, continue. So A-Rod posted, my heart hurts so much right now. I still can't wrap my head around this. How can it be? I learned so much from Kobe Bryant. He was naturally gifted, but had a passion for basketball like no one else I've ever seen. His work ethic was impeccable and his stress on mastering the fundamentals is what elevated him to the player he was. I've never met anyone more focused with myopic approach. He didn't pursue approval, affirmation, or adulation. He pursued excellence and process. He followed my career and would often call to help with my health, daily routine, and would even chime in about hitting techniques. He was a role model to me and millions around the world. We met as teenagers. We followed similar paths. We went from high school to the pros and our baby girls grew up together. People don't know this, but he was my secret coach. He pushed me and motivated me, especially toward the end of my career when I needed him most. He was always there. Even after our playing days, he was there for me. He attended JLo's last show in Vegas. He appeared on the core podcast. I last saw him a few months ago. I'll remember what he told me about how much he loved Vanessa and his girls, and that he continued to say no to 99% of offers, choosing instead to spend time to spend as much time with his family as possible. I will remember his greatness. I will remember his guidance. I will remember his friendship. I will remember that he made me a better person. His 13-year-old daughter, Gianna, was following in her dad's footsteps. She was kind, smart, caring, and going to be a star. Rest in peace, Kobe. Rest in peace, Gigi. My heart and prayers go out to the Bryant family and the passengers' families. Um, also Lamar Odom who obviously his former teammate posted these pictures are just the tip of the iceberg of our relationship he taught me so many things in life that were necessary on and off the court on the court he taught me how to carve out defenses and how to take my time how to make my winning how to make winning my ultimate goal 
Off the court, he taught me to sign my own checks. Of course, anyone who knows my story knows I've suffered a lot of loss, but the only loss I can compare this to is when I lost my son. Even though our relationship wasn't father-son, it was more like him being a teacher and me being his brother. I'm glad I got to see be, be the yin to our yang as far as the locker room was concerned. It was my pleasure. I couldn't even catch my breath today when I heard the news. I just knew if he was in a helicopter crash, he would have been the one to survive. Somehow he would have jumped out and landed on his feet. I'm sitting here thinking about when we would be in practice scrimmaging and he would start the jump ball off with elbowing Sasha in the chest. Like, dude, it's 10.30 in the morning. You think watching him play was crazy. You got to think in practice if you scored like eight to nine buckets throughout the practice, you had a great practice. I've seen him knock off 13 to 14 in a row in practice. I'm still waiting for the media to come out and say wrong report. No way God took my brother this early. I know I've been through my own stuff in life with using drugs and not being good to myself. When I went through that coma situation, if God would have came to me and said we would t he would take me and spare Kobe, I would have rather that happened. In honor of my brother, I'm about 4 a.m. tomorrow to get to the gym. Gigi's going to give you buckets. I love you, brother, at Kobe Bryant. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's a just lot. A, kind of what that what Lamar said is what we were talking about before. It's like you expect, no, Kobe will be the one to survive that. Right. Like, what couldn't he, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's oh, my God. It's the whole larger-than-life thing. You just don't. You don't, you don't expect think. it. You think these people are born with just a different DNA. and You forget we really are all human. And it's, it is. It's the idea of mortality when it's so, so in our faces. It's just, it's just very scary. So anyway, we'll get into um, the Grammys in a second and kind of the way that they honored him. But just again, our hearts so deeply go out to Vanessa and his children and his friends and his family and all of the families of the other victims because this is just an unthinkable tragedy and I, I cannot even imagine what they're going through. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So we are transitioning now to our Grammys recap portion of the episode. And, you know, this news about Kobe broke really just a couple of hours before the show. And I think we were all kind of curious how the Grammys was going to incorporate that into the show. Obviously, it was at the Staples Center, which is where the Lakers play and where he played for so many years. And, you know, his jerseys are on, on the walls. It was kind of a very eerie thing. And... So before it even started, you know, Chrissy Teigen tweets, downtown right now and nothing feels more unimportant than what we're doing today. This is absolutely terrible. Everyone is numb. The show opens with Lizzo 
And she starts saying, tonight is for Kobe, and then starts singing. And then Alicia Keys was the host, which, as you and I were saying— I mean, there's no one else that could have done it. There is no one else that could have done this in light of this tragedy in the way that Alicia Keys did it. For anybody who watched, I think you would agree with us. She has such a calming presence and such a unifying spirit. And it was it's she's like the perfect mix of being heartfelt and genuine, but also really having her shit together. Yeah, and also, you know, especially considering just a little bit, I don't want to say optimistic, but the ability to kind of bring light into a situation. And what's so interesting about last night is that you know, you have to remember there is kind of a precedent for the Grammys going on. I mean, Whitney Houston died the day before the Grammys in 2012. And, you know, she died at the, you know, at the Beverly Hilton. Clive Davis had the party, you know, at his party every year takes place at the Beverly Hilton. And um, Whitney Houston's family, you know, kind of urged him to still do the party. And Clive Davis played such a huge role in Whitney Houston's career. And LL Cool J ended up hosting the Grammys that year. Remember, Jennifer Hudson, they had to change last minute to sing a, a tribute to her. So it, it felt so eerie but and very reminiscent of that time. And, you know, there was like a cloud over the whole Grammys. Oh, their first— they're, it, Yeah, it was just—it was very strange. But I think that if anybody could have done this, it was Alicia Keys, truly. Yeah, we just wanted to read her opening statement, and then Isabel's going to be joining us. So— she opens by saying, Here we are together on music's biggest night, celebrating the artists that do it best. But to be honest with you, we're all feeling crazy sadness right now because earlier today, Los Angeles, America, and the whole wide world lost a hero. And we're literally standing here heartbroken in the house that Kobe Bryant built. Right now, Kobe and his daughter Gianna and all of those that have been tra tragically lost today are in our spirit and our hearts and our prayers. They're in this building, and I would like to ask everybody to take a moment and just hold them inside of you. Hold them inside of you and share our strength and our support with their families. We never imagined in a million years we'd have to start the show like this. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I know what we're going to do. I know that we're going to do what we're here to do. I know that we're going to, to all join together and do what we do in happy times and challenging times. We're going to sing together. We're going to laugh together. We're going to dance together. We're going to cry together. We're going to bring it all together. We're going to love together. And we're going to make sure that we are celebrating the most powerful energy with the most beautiful thing in the world. The one thing that has the power to bring all of us together. I know that music is the most healing thing in the world. So let us all get some healing going on right now. And that was the start. So from the get-go, they made it clear that they were going to honor his memory. Yeah. Oh, what a night. Hey, Iz. Hi. Hi. Joining us. We all watched it. It's it's important to note that we all watched the show separately last night. Yeah. So I I kind of like when we do that better because we haven't discussed all of our thoughts already at all, and maybe noticed different things, which is kind of fun. Um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. My biggest takeaway, oh, just overall, which I think we all had the same one, was really Alicia Keys. Like, if I had to say, if someone said, "What's your one thing from the Grammys?" I would say Alicia Keys is really an unbelievable she woman. Is a such a class act, and it's nothing new. We always knew this that she's just has such a calming presence, such a spiritual like aura around her that she just feels so like comforting. So that's I could not. We could all agreed on this. We could not have thought of someone a more perfect person to be in the position she was in. I'm sure, you know, they, they spent so much time preparing for this and she probably had a whole opening monologue and it's supposed to be light and fun, but at the last second to have to completely change the whole opening of show and the whole attitude of the show, she was just perfect for it. And I think people love her and look to her and she's such a light that I feel there was like a calming presence when 
she was on screen and probably in the room too. Well, I feel like when the news broke and we were all kind of like, we processed it and then we were like, oh my God, the Grammys are in the Staples Center tonight. I feel like when we remembered that it was Alicia Keys that was hosting, it would kind of calmed us a little. We were like, you know what? If the show is going to go on, which was kind of the mentality of last night, you know, the show must go on. I feel like if as long as Alicia Keys is there to, you know, host us and guide us through it, it felt right. Yeah, she also is one of the, people in the music industry that I would say is respected by everyone. Mm -hmm. Like she's one of the very few people. It's kind of like the Jennifer Aniston of the music world. Nobody has an issue with her. Yeah. Yeah. She's just, she spans generations, everything. She's TV, music, art, pop culture, like, but she's so many different genres. She appeals to so many different people. She also has a really, in addition to her singing voice, she has a very beautiful kind of soothing speaking voice. I agree. And it was so evident last night mm-hmm. because it, her words were so clear. And I don't know, I just I totally agree. Them, yeah. And she's such like a natural at just reading and being, and flowing. It didn't feel like she was reading anything from a teleprompter. It felt so from the heart, even if it was prepared. For sure. It really did. I, I think people probably really appreciated that. And Although they acknowledged it, it also felt like this was kind of a, like, sigh of relief of, like, okay, let's enjoy the music. You know, there are good things in the world, and let's all come together and and do yeah. what he would want us to do. For sure. We'll get into, as we talk about the show, some of the other ways that the Grammys pay, pay tribute to Kobe, of course. So... I loved, by the way, how Alicia started with this medley yeah. that she wrote. I Me love too. that. For anybody who missed it, she basically wrote this medley acknowledging some of the um, nominated artists in the audience. And she went from everyone, from like Billy to Ariana to Louis Capaldi, um, everyone. It was Just really- like kind of poking fun and laughing with everyone. I love when they do that and they pan because the artists don't really know what she's going to say. It's like fun. It's like links everybody together in the beginning. For sure. And again— an Alicia Keys kind of thing. Yeah, totally. You can't, if you're not a musician, even generally, you can't do that. And it showed her sense of humor, you know? It did. I want to get into the, some of our outfit picks in a second, but I just wanted to talk about some of the other kind of bigger tributes. Usher paying tribute to Prince. Yeah. Which he, no, no. I have to say, if you would have asked me who was going to do this, I don't think I would have said Usher, but the second I saw him on screen, I was like, oh, you are absolutely perfect for this. He's so talented. I He's have so a, unbelievably talented. I have talented. a feeling they probably went out to like the Usher equivalent around him. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Bruno Mars was probably thrown in the mix. I'm sure people like that. I'm so glad it landed on Usher because he is so fucking talented. He's so hot. He can dance. He can sing. Such a nice, good guy. I'm happy. I felt like everyone was reinvigorated with the Usher bug last night, and I could not be happier. Absolutely. Also, um, Camila Cabello did her song First Man, which is a song dedicated to her dad. And he was in the audience. I have to be honest, maybe I'm truly living under a rock. I had never heard the song before, ever. I think it's new from her new album, yeah. Never heard it. Definitely never heard her sing it. And I didn't know what was going on because they're— when, when they were introducing it, they said, you know, Camila with a very touching tribute. And at first, people kind of thought that it was for Sean. They were saying for a man in her life, we didn't know who it was. And Jim Gaffigan introduced it and said, um, for fathers and daughters, it was a little bizarre that he didn't mention Kobe in that. But I thought I guess, so too, yeah. I, I guess maybe it was so last minute that he didn't, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's really hard to say what you would do in that situation if you don't have yeah. the wherewithals. But anyway, she, she sings this beautiful song. And listen, in the past, we're not like the biggest Camila fans. I mean, we have nothing against her, but definitely we're not the ones top, like in top of her corner. It was 
Beautiful. I was. I mean, the second I realized it was for her dad, I'm I mean, obviously, hysterical. yeah, we're hysterical. The, hysterical. I'm calling my dad. Like, I love you so. The minute I knew that, and I saw the video behind her playing of her and her dad when she uh, was little, I was like, somebody check on Emma. I was. I was, I was like. <laughs> I was losing it truly, and then when he, she, he's in the audience and he's sobbing, and then Gwen Stefani sobbing, and she goes over to him, and I was just like, I can't, I'm not prepared for this right now. And she I walks w- down to him like it was just. I will say there was one funny moment during that where you know everyone's crying, and there's like this really intimate moment between her and her father, and Offset kind of looks in the camera and does kind of does like an office Jim Halper type thing where he looks straight at it because he's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. <laughs> yeah. It was so funny. I missed that. I missed like Offset, why are you not crying about? Camila Cabello's dad. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, what? It was, it was really. Offset's like, Cardi and I just showed up. Like, are we at the right show? Wait, side note for a second. I know this wasn't at the Grammys. This was at Clive Davis's pre-Grammy party, right? For anybody who didn't see, but I, you must have, Cardi in this hot pink dress. And I'm sorry, for her tits were just out to play, for lack of a better phrase. They defied gravity. They de- truly. Yes. And Offset is there kind of like holding them up or, or shielding them. And <laughs> she, literally, she literally captured, it's like, babe, my titties keep popping out. And I was just like, no, this is the couple of our generation. Well, did you see the other video of him where he where she's taking a picture <laughs> and he goes up, smooths her hair, fixes her, and then steps off so that she can be in this shot you, by herself? Did you see the tweet caption? It's like, ladies, it's a lot of cheating to get to this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, oh, that's I guess, funny as fuck. You know what? That's such a Kanye move. I can't even handle it. It was quite the quite the situation. I mean, listen, like I'm all about cleavage, and I totally could not support her no, more. No, no, it no. was more so. It was more so as as a woman who has had a lot of you know run-ins with nip slips. I was just more so scared, but she handled it great. I she, mean, for you, nip slips happen because there's never anything covering yeah, your nipples, ever. so that's no, bound to yes, happen. It's ex- it's kind of like the laws of gravity and exactly. nature. It just makes sense. No, but She's this right. this was far and beyond cleavage. Like cleavage could never. This was like Priyanka Chopra could never. No. I wish we had a third love. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's no, why I recommend this. Was like you could use a whole roll of Skims boob tape, and that I it was like I couldn't even the physics behind it. I, I couldn't believe it. I have to say, you know, there were a lot of there was a lot of cleavage happening last night, and I think some of the most notable, obviously, was Priyanka. Mm-hmm. She would. I have to be honest. I wasn't a huge fan of the dress at first. I thought I liked it because I just saw her. That's what Isabel said. Because I saw like waist up, and I think obviously she's so stunning, and her tits looked amazing. But then once I saw the whole thing, I was like, mm, it's not my style. It looked like a completely different dress from that like really cool stare shot she posted yes, with Nick. That's what I it agree. Yeah, more, it looked a lot more simple. I didn't see the fringe detailing. Listen, her body is sick. Her face. She's so fucking gorgeous. To me, she can really do no wrong, and I love her stylist, but it was just a lot. Also, the it, it's also not fair because she, they take pictures with all the Jonas brothers and the wives, and they all three looked like they were going to completely different parties. Yeah. yeah. Like, not even in the same, like, orbit. So it's hard when, you know, depending what they wore, it would, like, maybe balance it out or look different, and what he wore, and what, it's just, you never know. I feel like with the Grammys, too, you don't, you show up, and, like, some people are in jeans, some people are in Ariana ball gowns. It's so You never hard. know what you're going to get. You it's not a typical red carpet. It's not no. like the Oscars or whatever. And, and that's what I was saying to you the other day, where I was like, it's so hard to talk about the red carpet at the Grammys. It's like, how do you compare Ariana Grande in a like, Cinderella ball gown to Lil Nas X in a hot pink suit? You right? can't. To Billy Porter. To, to yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's like what we were talking about with Brad last week, how for every award show, you kind of know the vibe, but the vibe for the Grammys is, is whatever the fuck chaos. you want. 
Yeah. It's like, you know, okay, you want to wear something fucking crazy? You wear it to the Grammys. Like, that's literally the dress code. Yeah. So when all these people are showing up in this and that and couture and not and good, it's like, it was, it's a lot it to was follow. A lot. You know who looked amazing? Keisha? No, I was going to say Chrissy and John. Both of them. Well, John with John. a beard. John with a beard. Oh, my God. And that Changes Mc- his whole custom face. Custom McQueen scoop yeah. suit with, like, it almost, like, had a peplum on one side. Yeah. He just kills it every time. Well, I was going to say, we said this last week, but seriously, during award show season, Brad Goreski's Instagram stories are what you need because he posts individual shots of every celebrity, who they're wearing, and then he posts a poll. And it's interesting because one, you get just the one-on-one shot, but also you get to see what people think of their outfits once you vote. And I wanted to pull up that album that we made just so we could take a look. We posted all these on our Patreon and the visual guide, but personally, my best dress of the night, honestly, was Chrissy. She was wearing a Nina Couture, this orange, beautiful, a little bit avant-garde, dress with that slit, her famous legs. I was, I thought she looked tr- like really incredible. Tremendous. No yeah. one does a, a, a slit like her. She yeah. always has a high slit, a low cleave, and she kills it. And on her skin, that looked, it looked so gorgeous. Yeah. I thought, I mean, okay, to be honest, I wasn't necessarily obsessed. If it was on someone else, I wouldn't say this was amazing, but on Dua Lipa, her actual- I loved it. She was in this white Alexander Wang two-piece outfit, all, all you know, very, very simple. I thought she looked sick. She had a very, like, sick 90s vibe. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. I think too. she's absolutely gorgeous. She really is. Her and Anwar on that carpet was like- Oh, so, my God. They're the coolest ever. I also have to say- Lizzo in number one, her red carpet outfit, which was the white gown, and then also in her first performance outfit, which is the black sequin. I thought, and no, the best one was her. They, she, it didn't get the airtime it deserved, but that one she was wearing in the audience, that fringe metallic. When she had the ponytail, snatched pony V neck. She looked so good. All three looks were like bang, 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 and like to have one great look is is hard. They have three in a row, really kill it in different silhouettes. I was so impressed. I agree. I also have to say, we all kind of said this at the same time, but and if you've been listening to the podcast, you know this joke. About a year ago, Julian Isbell went to the Point Sky Awards and BB Rexa was performing and I wasn't there that night. And they they kind of like turned into BB stands, which I totally supported, but didn't really get it. And last night I texted them. I was like, count me in. I'm a BB Rexa stand. I happen to think she looked stunning. She was in this Christian Cowan, like, black suit with this really beautiful neckline, almost bejeweled. I And her makeup was like— She took my breath away. Yeah, no, she looked absolutely did, insane. We need to know who did her makeup. Like, that's something we need to look Please up because look that's someone up. I would love to contact in LA. She, excellent, excellent. I, I, another one I loved, and this was so random, I was not expecting it, was Cynthia Erivo. She came out in that— it almost had a similar vibe to what she wore to the oh, SAG. Ashley Cole. Oh, oh, of course. Of course. Um, it had a similar vibe to what she wore to the SAGs. Remember, she wore that orange and pink color block situation? Yes. yes. This was like a floral tiered cupcake Valentino. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I always like, like the more high fashion ones. I thought this was so sick. It was actually, I think it was like almost the same silhouette as Catherine Newton's neon orange one that we loved last week. So good. Also, a sentence I literally never thought I would say. Danielle Jonas was one of my best dress of the night. Wait. Crazy, huh? Same. As I said, she looked amazing. I don't even know who made it. It was like this silver off the shoulder. um, It was a column dress, I think, with a little train. And it had this like sequiny 
pattern on it. She just looked beautiful. It was not fussy. She had little silver shoes. It fit her perfectly. It was like just easy and gorgeous. The other thing about being um, a wife of a Jonas brother is that they're not the type of guy that's going to go to an event in an all black tux. That's just not them. And so you have to kind of, you know, when you're going as a couple, you have to coordinate a little bit. And I felt like she really almost let Kevin shine while still shining herself in a really unique way. Also, not on this list, but I have to just say, you want to know who's my best dressed guy? Who? Take one guess. Not John. No, Common. I thought, oh, of course. I we thought love Common. Common was wearing this Julie, velvet. We love Common. No, we fuck incredibly hard with Common. He was in this maroon <laughs> velvet jacket with this black bow tie. I think he is so handsome. Okay. This is a public service announcement. Julie, just, do you know what I'm going to say? Just right. If you have not seen the movie Just Right, W R I G H T, with Common and Queen Latifah, they made me pause watch this it. podcast. Log on to Apple, rent it, and do yourself a goddamn favor and watch it. Somebody wrote in our Patreon group recently and was like, <laughs> what are some classic music movies you guys recommend? Like, I no, feel no, like no. I've, it was, what movies do you guys consider underrated? Underrated, but like they meant classics. Like yeah. they meant whatever. And everyone's commenting like, catch me if you can. All these, the prestige, all these things. Isabel's like, just right. <laughs> No, when we one time we were in LA, stoned out of my mind, and they literally cornered me, and they're like, "We're putting on just right. No, you're gonna watch it, and you're gonna you're like wrong. it." Julie and I watched it, and you came in at the end, and you got sucked in. We like literally left late for a meeting because you were like, "What happens? What happens?" We I watched so... it in the bed. Also, common second look that like green metallic Dolce and Gabbana suit he was wearing during the performance. What a guy. I also have to say, Saweetie, uh, obviously, date of, Qu- of Quavo. <laughs> date of Quavo. I mean, <laughs> girlfriend of Quavo. Yeah, but I was just looking at this picture because they did kind of coordinate because she had a lot of red in her dress. I thought she looked unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. I've- you know, also, I got to tell you, I'm not saying that I was a huge fan of Ariana's outfit. Like, I was fine with the it. The second one, though? Yeah. But I'm speaking of the first one. The, yeah. The, her John Batista. She Bali. definitely, she made an entrance. Whether or not you liked it, she made an entrance. So she had four looks the whole night. The first one was that gray John Batista volley. She had gloves on the whole night and changed them out. Like, if you know his designs, you've seen people wear these. They're those crazy poofy dresses. We saw them all over, like the red carpet with the ones that say, no photos, please. They were in the Met exhibit. Someone wore one to the Met Gala. I forget who. But it's like a thing. Yes. And this was like an Ariana Grande, like, Version like if yeah. I, if he was going to do an Ariana Grande collection like this is what I think it would be. I thought it was perfect for her. I listen. I'm never expecting her to show up in in something that's not either a ball gown or like high boots and a pony. I just at this point we kind of know better. She's never going to give us like the middle ground. Yeah. So for her, I thought it was perfect. She had gloves on the whole night. The second gray look, it was a little too similar, I think, um, to the first. Then she went in on stage and she wore like a ball gown. Then she went into her like Playboy outfit. And then, did you see at the end? I actually wish she wore this the whole night. She was in a emerald green. I do too. I wish she wore that. Tell the whole- me more about her jewelry. No, don't talk to me about that. Tell did me you more. See, wait, did you it see after was- the pictures of her from the after party and she was in a Steelers jersey, yeah. which most likely was obviously um, a tribute to Mac, but she was still in the full jewelry. I can't imagine. I mean, if Harry, if Jennifer Lopez was wearing $9 million of Harry Winston to the Sags, Ariana was easily in $10 million of emeralds because oh this was, no, it was, it was, it was the craziest thing. But did she have that necklace on in the beginning? No. No, no. she had it on at the end of the night. Let I me tell you, lot, most, the most stressful outfit. job of the night, more stressful than Priyanka's fucking like tit tape, it was... 
Ariana's jewelry holder. Because you you have to be at the Staples Center holding $10 million worth of emeralds just so that she can put it on that. To me, no fucking way. Forget about it. After seeing Ocean's 8, I would be literally shaking. Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable, like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard Skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because you guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims bras at skims.com now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company for every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Let's talk about some other moments that I thought were definitely, before we get into some of the winners that I thought were um, just important to note. So Run DMC and Aerosmith together for this performance that was Really something, you just couldn't make this shit up. I mean, Steven Tyler and Run Rev Run on stage together was something I never necessarily thought that I would see. And I, I'm i glad I did because now I know what it was like. Yeah. Um, also, they definitely honored Kobe. They held up his jersey throughout the performance. It was yeah, really, that was like a really common beautiful. Theme. Yeah. I think because that's like the best way to just... I have to just say two things. First off, as I said, I see Rev around 
um, my area all the time. And he, every time I have ever seen him, he's the most like chill guy. Like I've been on the treadmill next to him at the gym and he's just so chill. He he never- Always in a tracksuit. Always in a tracksuit. And then he's on stage like doing his thing. And I was like, I literally saw you at the gym last week and you were just the most mellow guy ever. And he's in full performer mode. And I forgot that he had that in him. I was going to say also, if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you know, we fucking love Run's house. Like we Well, I was just about at- to say, it's the type of chill that can only come from sitting in your bathtub at night and writing Bible passages yep. in your, on your Blackberry. No, yep. my- my friend Hannah said that he was on stage. We were high watching. She's like, you know, I can just only picture him in his bathtub naked typing on his BlackBerry, which, by the way, he's probably playing Brick Breaker. Yeah, I know. And we were losing it. Also, Steven Tyler. First off, Steven Tyler was having the time of his life. I mean, truly, this was—he he, he really could not have been happier. And out of nowhere, and I'm telling you, I do not think that this was planned. He brought up those two girls on stage, and I was like—I looked at it. I was like, that's going to be a meme tomorrow. Did you see those <laughs> girls? They're like, no, no, no. And he's like— Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he brings these girls on stage, and they have no idea what they're doing. Two, like, random uh, You know what you know, that reminded members. me of? Um, when Kim went on stage with Prince— and she like was freak. She's I mean, like, that's I don't want to do. For the rest of her life. She's like, what do I do? I don't want to dance. Like, I'm so. What, what, what's going on here? No, no. I mean that literally scarred Kim for the rest of her life. That's if you the, ever a- ask her about why she doesn't dance or why she won't dance, it's because of that Prince concert. So Truly. funny. Also, um, Lil Nas X for his Old Town Road performance, he had Billy Ray Cyrus and BTS, and he had this Bryant jersey that was. Like on the Obviously, chair. Obviously, on the chair. He was in this glittered suit. He was having the time of his life. I you like that little BTS Soul Town Road. First off, something hilarious. When BTS first came on, I don't know the, the particular member that I'm referring to. For a split second, I thought it was Billy Ray. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, this motherfucker looks 20 years old. <laughs> and then I saw Billy Ray walk out. But yeah, it was it was the mashup again that I never saw coming, but I was happy with it. Oh I my loved God. it. First of all, it was perfect because there's no, it has to be the most remix song ever. Because that's what the performance was. It was, it was like a satire of, of itself. Well, it was all the different remixes of that song and how iconic it was for the year and how many people remixed that. It was I unbelievable. It. Mason the, Ramsey, forget about it. Diplo, I loved also the symbolism of the the set that they did. It was like Lil Nas X in this like room and then it was like BTS in this like dance floor and then Diplo and Mason Ramsey and then the skull. It was, I fucking love, he is, Lil Nas X is the cutest little cutie. And then what about when Nas came out? Yeah. That was oh insane. Oh my God. But I have to say, Mason Ramsey, I mean, we've come a long way from yodeling at Walmart. If you ain't this got is, no giddy up, get the giddy up out my way. Like, like, are you kidding? Hot up on my razor. No, but this is, this is truly one of the biggest glow ups that we are seeing in our time. You realize he literally <laughs> started in a Walmart and now he's on stage at the Grammys. That's pretty much unbelievable. Wait. That is, that is like, Char- Charlie D'Amelio could never. She fucking Charlie wishes. Charlie D'Amelio could. <laughs> By the way. Wait, I like low-key love Mason Ramsey's yodeling. Like when he actually, I loved listening to it on the YouTube, but then when he like released it on Spotify, it was literally my playlist. Like (laughs) we were in college when the yodel video came out and they made this remix that was like an an electro dance, whatever. "Eh, eh, It played at every single party. It was the best. That's hilarious. Okay, let's talk about some of the winners, shall we? Yes, I would please. love to. So Lizzo wins for best solo performance, and she is just shocked. Well, I mean, she they panned her, and she's praying for Beyonce to win. Yeah. Oh my God, I got, I love that. I, there's nothing better when someone comes on stage, and you can tell they are genuinely in a state of shock slash disbelief. Really, just kind of like overflowing gratitude, and that was, or Lizzo. even w- like wish that someone else 
one. Yeah. That's something I think I don't I don't know, but I feel is a little bit unique to our generation or these like the last couple of years or award shows is that the the competition is still there. But it used to be so like my arch nemesis, like we're competing head to head. Like I gotta win. Like you know, don't show me if I if I lose, it's 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 gonna be a hard loss. But it, now, even at the SAGs and other things, people will say, Billy said it later. Ari, I wish Ariana won this. Lizzo's praying for Beyonce to win. They kind of are all so accepting and lo- and fans of each other that they. It's it's okay whoever well, the, wins. The other thing is is that it must be so weird to be in a category nominated with people that you grew up idolizing, especially yes. for somebody like Lizzo to be nominated with Beyonce and then beat Beyonce. That's an indescribable feeling. It's kind of like when Jennifer Lawrence won the Oscar and she got up and she was like, "I beat Meryl." Yes, exactly. I mean, that is it's it's un- who was it a couple years ago? I think it was a bunch of actors who went like best actor nominees for the Oscars. They all went to dinner the night before. Other women too. I forget, but that too was like. That's so nice. I mean, there's such a high level of respect when you're nominated in a category with people that are just, it's kind of like a surreal moment where you're like, what am I doing among these names? I mean, Beyonce is the second most awarded female Grammy recipient ever. She's She won last night for Homecoming. She has 24 Grammys. The most is 27 for a woman. So, you know, to be Lizzo, who grinded her whole career and, and worked so hard and was releasing music for so long before we knew who she was, to be in a category with Beyonce, it's, it's, I can't even imagine. It's an indescribable feeling, I would imagine. I also think that, and maybe this is just me putting this lens on it, but I don't think so, because I I, and I know actors do it also and, and male musicians. I think that recently there's this whole women supporting women movement. Oh, and totally. And totally. we see that really come out during award shows in a really nice way. Also, best country duo, Dan and Shay. I mean, I got to be honest, I love their stuff. I, I still can't tell you who's Dan and who's Shay, but I absolutely <laughs> love their stuff. Could you? No. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I can't tell anybody who's anybody. <laughs> uh, Dave Chappelle for Sticks and Stones, which I have a question about this. He was there at the Grammys because we saw pictures of him, but he didn't accept the award. Well, I, did well, they, I have a question. Did they just announce that? I, I, I missed this part. Did they just announce that he no, won no, or no. did they call somebody up to no, they, they Well, they, I mean, I, I don't, I forget, but they announced it and um, all the other uh, nominees, like Jim Gaffigan was in the audience. They show them on the screen like they show everyone else. So like, for example, if Jim won, he would have gotten up on stage. So I guess the presenter um, accepted Dave Chappelle's award, I believe. Did I, they show Dave when they panned no, they the sh- audience? No, I'm saying they showed a picture of him. But he was but there? But he was there because there were pictures that we saw from last night where he know. was there. So it was just a little that's, confusing. That's weird. Unless for some reason I I You know who confused. else was a Grammy recipient last night? Grammy winner Michelle Obama. That was. Grammy winner Michelle Obama. That is the craziest thing. That is the craziest thing. Also, um, for uh, rap song rap and song performance, it was higher. DJ Khaled and John Legend and Nipsey Hussle. So that was really, yeah, really special. They had well, Nipsey's was- entire uh, family on stage, and obviously they paid tribute to him. And I think you know John Legend is very has such an eloquence when he speaks. Mm-hmm. And he's like Alicia Keys male. He has, yeah, exactly. He really has that vibe. And he just did a really good job of paying tribute to Nipsey and to Kobe and just kind of acknowledging the night as well. Well, that was the other thing about the night is that it wasn't just Kobe. It was it was Nipsey. It was, there were so many like kind of dark and, and deep moments, you know, Demi Lovato returning to the stage for the Juice first time World. since her overdose, the, the death Mac of Juice Miller. World, Mac Miller still, you know. So it's, it was just, it was definitely a weird night. And it's, it's even weird talking about it now where we're talking about like 
you know, red carpet picks and it's like still has this hanging over. So I think that, you know, with somebody having somebody like John Legend and having somebody like Alicia Keys, it kind of made the night a little easier while still honoring. Absolutely. So Billie Eilish cleaned up. She took home the Grammy for Album of the Year. And in it, that's when she said, Ariana, you deserve this. Your album got me through some shit. She also won Record of the Year. She won Song of the Year for Bad Guy. And of course, for each one, she went up with her brother Phineas, who is her other half in all of this. And, you know, of course, they're there with their parents. And I really loved what Phineas said when um, he was like, we literally just wrote songs in a bedroom about depression and suicidal thoughts, and now we're receiving Grammys. He's like, so to every kid who's writing songs in your bedroom, keep doing it. And I just, I felt that, kind of like you said a couple of weeks ago, that Billie Eilish has this almost permanent disbelief that this is her life, and it comes across as very genuine. It's almost like a Shawn Mendes effect in a certain way. And I... That was never more present than it was last night. I mean, last night was was totally different too with Billy. She also won, you know, Best New Artist, of course. And those are the big four. That is a coveted that is a coveted thing. She is one of three people who have ever won those big four. It's her and Adele. And we spoke about this in an episode. It was her, Adele, and Christopher Cross. Christopher Cross is the only other person besides Billy who's won all four of those in the same night. So you know, it's this isn't an award where it's like, oh, wow, I can't believe I won. This is, there are not many people who get to do this. And for it's like Billy the EGOT to be, of the Grammys almost. Yeah, for Billy to be 18 years old and so unassuming and so unbelievably talented and have these adoring fans and selling out arenas, for her not to be able to comprehend that. But you can see when she wins these awards, she's almost, I don't want to say embarrassed, but she— she like didn't want it. She was she's sitting there. She's like, no, no, no. Like, do not, do I was, not. I was reading a lot of people's reactions on Twitter to that. You know, everyone obviously interprets things their own way, but her embarrassment was first of all disbelief and humble feelings that you know I can't believe I'm getting this. I can't believe I'm deserving it. But also kind of like that she even alluded to it in her speech that pe- all these other nominees have such hardcore fan bases. That she was like, please, like, it's, this is about the fans. Like, she almost was like, oh, my God, am I going to be attacked? Yeah. It's not her fault. It's like, she didn't even. I mean. It's so, but that's like the world we live in is, you know, I think she was kind of a little nervous being like, oh, my God, I just defeated all of these huge powerhouse people who have strong fan stan fan bases What's going to be next? I mean, also, your name, like, her name's in history now. There's no there's no Grammys conversation that will happen now that won't include her. It's unbelievable. She was the youngest person to win album of the year, youngest person to win song of the year. It's, it, it, to me, with the Grammys, you know, we were talking about Alicia Keys, you know, being able to pull through and John Legend. But for me, there was a genuine bright spot that wasn't clouded, and that was Billie Eilish. It was unbelievable to watch somebody so young and so talented win such coveted awards and all four of them in one night. It was an unbelievable thing to be able to witness. I, I completely agree. And also, the the relationship between her and her brother just makes it that much more special. Yeah. It's one thing, you know, of course, everybody thinks their team and whatever, and of course she has that. But to thank her brother, who is truly the other half of all this, was really kind of surreal. What's cooler than that? And like I've said, and I've been super transparent in saying, 
her music doesn't resonate with me personally. And I recognize clearly I'm the off one here because it resonates with literally everyone else. But (laughs) I can still recognize her talent and recognize how unique she is, even though her music isn't what I listen to. I still, I just still have a lot of respect for her. And I- I'm obsessed. We really, I really just wish her continued success. Did you see, sorry, did you see the video on the red carpet where she's giving an interview and her mom comes up to tell her that Phineas won producer of the year? It is so sweet. She could not believe it. Her mom comes up and she's like, Phineas won, he won, he won producer of the year. And she's like, oh my God. It was like, she was almost more excited for that than for the ones that she won. Yeah. When you add that to the Patreon visual guide, like put, yeah. the, put that link in when you okay. put those links in. Um, also, I just wanted to touch on a couple of other things. So in addition to the onstage tributes to Kobe, they also had a full memorial outside. I mean, fans were lining up almost to the point where the Grammys were a little bit concerned because of kind of the traffic. They said people were just completely swarming, circling, coming to pay their own tribute. It almost like, it's like his temple. It's like his... Yeah. Flags were at half staff. Um, we just, Priyanka had number 24 written on her nails. There was just, during the Nipsey Hustle tribute, they had photos of Kobe and Nips, Nipsey together. It was just... I don't know. When when Alicia closed the show, she said, "Peace and love. God bless Kobe's family. We love you." I don't know. Yeah. It just it the whole night was was um like you said there was definitely a cloud over it for sure, but I also think that they did the best they could have done yeah. to pay him respect Agreed. while still you know, having this monumental night in, in musical history. It was in his honor almost. It was almost in his honor, it really was. Yeah, definitely. Alicia's song with Boys to Men, too, was so, that was great. I loved when they sang together. Yeah. Also, a couple of other uh, notable moments. <laughs> Nick Jonas had food in his teeth during his performance, and someone tweeted it, and he responded. He's like, hey, at least you guys know I eat my greens. Did you see yeah, that? Yeah, it was so funny. It was so funny. I just like, I love when he has a sense of humor because he really is so serious. And sometimes that's a criticism of him where it's like, listen, you're so talented, but you're a Jonas brother. Just just lighten up. And this was one of those moments where it's like, it's nice to see you not take yourself too seriously. Such a human moment. Also, this was really interesting. When Ariana was performing, as you guys know, in her song, um, which song is this? Thank you, Dad. Thank Thank you, you, Next. She, the line is, um, I'll be thanking my dad because she learned from the drama in, re- in uh, reference to her mom. But her dad actually was there last night with her mom, which was one of the first times I think we've ever seen her well, dad at an awards show. At an awards show, they they had, they were, I mean, they didn't have a relationship until this year. It was a couple of months ago that, and we'll talk about the lyric change, that she changed this lyric for the first time in the song. And you saw her mom and dad together at one of her concerts for the first time. And it was like a really, really emotional moment. So instead she changed the lyric to, I'll be thanking my dad because he's really awesome. Which, you know, it's like, it's four words, literally, that's it. And I can only imagine how how, um, impactful that was for him. Yes. Oh my God. It speaks volumes. Yes. It speaks, I was shocked to see her father there. I thought my interpretation of their relationship, which I guess now is incorrect, was that, it was like a no repair kind of thing. I thought that it was 100% her mom is her, you know, ride or die. And that's it. She kind of wrote her dad off. And clearly there was some room for improvement because there he was, which yeah. is amazing. I just I didn't mean, realize yeah, that. Yeah, it was, it was really only a couple of months ago that I think this happened. And it was so, I'm sure, so impactful for him, but so impactful for her to be able to even change those lyrics. You know, to, to have a song where you talk about how you know, there was trauma for your mom and have it be such a prominent lyric and then not just have to change, but be able to change it is so amazing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And the and that end part when she put the whole thing where she takes the ring off and puts it back in the box, like that whole symbolism. She had a whole thing going on, and it was like really interesting. Yeah. She also, um, when she sang one of the songs she sang was Imagine, which people, you know, it wasn't specified, but people were saying that that was a tribute to Mac. Yeah. There were a lot of little symbolisms throughout the night. There were different tributes to different people or just different events. And like I said, I thought they did a really good job. One of my I favorite agree. moments of the night was Tyler, the creator, winning for Best Rap Album. But I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. He had tweeted years ago, I think in like 2012, yes! where yeah. he, was like, he was like, I can't wait to win a Grammy. And somebody had responded to his tweet and said, like, don't be too excited, you won't get one. And he retweeted that tweet from literally August 2011 and wrote, I favorited this tweet nine years ago just for this one moment to tell you that I got one. Yes, I'm petty as fuck. Good day, Mark. <laughs> I mean, that motherfucker gives zero fucks. I love him. I am obsessed with him. I've seen him in concert, and he—there's a lot of people that don't get him, but to know him is to get him, and he's just an unbelievable performer and such an unbelievable person. And having his mom on stage, I thought, yeah, it was, was so amazing. special. He kind of—he really—you know, like we always talk, there's the people that actually don't give a fuck, and then there's the people that— Pretend, pretend to, not. to not give a fuck. He actually doesn't give a fuck. He, he hops right on stage. He like— he, did you see his outfit? He looked like a hotel, like, um, bellhop. It was just so cool and interesting. And from his own line. I know. It's yeah. just so cool. Yeah. I was, I, again, his music isn't really something that I listen to, but I still have a lot of respect for him as an artist. Wait, I just thought of two more people. I loved their outfits. First <laughs> of me. all, Billy Porter. Fucking yeah, I mean, icon. of course. Fucking icon. Fun fact, I guess, about me, but just in general, he was like the star, and I think he helped write and create Kinky Boots, the mm -hmm. Broadway show. So good. Which I've seen four times, and I'm obsessed with. I saw it with him the first time, actually. And there's a line in the show, uh, in the beginning of the show, and they use throughout the show, he says, ladies and gentlemen, and those who have yet to decide, or those who have yet to make up their minds. And he said that before introducing, uh, who did he introduce, Rosalia or somebody? And I was like, oh my God, yes. And his fucking turquoise outfit with that hat that opened the fringe and the stylist I was watching E was speaking to Zana Rossi about the inspiration and the fringe and the outfit and he had a remote control that was controlling the hat opening and closing and there are so many funny memes about it like me when I see this or me when I see that or me being closed up like just genius. I love I love a moment like that. I knew that. The second I saw that, I was like, that is a meme in the best yeah. way possible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Also, um, Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani together. I just— They are so— No. I literally wrote on the outline, the first note I made was, their love story is so underrated. They were literally just two out of four people to be picked to be on the same seasons of The Voice as judges, and they happen to be soulmates. Like, that's crazy. Like, yeah. to me, that is so fucking crazy. Also, it's fun to watch them interact. I watch, I mean, she's not on The Voice anymore as of the new season. Nick Jonas is going to take her spot. But last season, I watched a little bit. And it was so funny watching her and Blake interact because they have a very, uh, like, John Legend Chrissy vibe where they, like, make fun of each other a lot. But he yeah. is so in awe of her. And, like, anytime somebody would pick to be on her team or whatever, he was like, oh, you are making the best decision of your yeah. life. It was, it's really, really sweet. He I'm really such a fan of he theirs. He totally, you're right, has that Chrissy thing where anyone that he's good friends with or dating or whatever, it's always like a battle of, like, you know, poking at each other and making fun of each other. Almost like, you know what it reminds me of, weirdly, when we had um, Terry D. Rowe and Paul Nassif here, and that's, yeah. like, their loving friendship is just to, like, fuck like, with each other, each other, you know? Yeah. 
Also, just one thing that we wanted to note, which didn't wasn't present last night, but a lot of people were confused about it. And in all honesty, I don't think we're that clear on it, but we do have information. So let's just share that with you just so that you can, um, I guess, be a little bit more informed. So you probably saw some reports about, I don't know, a week ago, right? Mm-hmm. 10 days before the awards. Yeah, 10 days before the awards, the Recording Academy abruptly announced that it had placed Deborah Dugan, who's the CEO and president of the Recording Academy, on leave pending an investigation into an allegation of bullying that came from a female assistant. That comes out. Then, on Thursday, in an interview, Deborah claimed that she was placed on leave as retaliation for accusations she made and changes she proposed. So she basically said that her suspension was the result of a memo she sent into December to the Academy's HR director that included an accusation that she had been sexually harassed by the Academy's general counsel, Joel Katz. She said, quote, there are incidents of conflict of interest that taint the results. She said, I actually wanted to make changes from within. I believe in what the Recording Academy should stand for, for artists. And I was trying at each step to take a deep breath and say, I can make a difference. I can fix this. I can work with this team. They've denied it. I. That's all we know. There's so many moving parts here. It's like rigging and allegations of sexual assault and then bullying with the female assistant. I just, there's so much going, I have no idea. It's a really start. confusing story, yeah. especially for the CEO and president of the Recording Academy was the first female to, you know, be put on suspension before the Grammys. That's, and she was there for under a year. I mean, this was, the Grammys are the biggest part of that job. So it's all really confusing. There's a lot of different stories and a lot of different allegations. So, you know, I'm, for people that were confused about this, rightfully so, because it's very unclear what happened, what went down, but... We don't, that's like, we, yeah, there's not more information It's still there. developing. And I think that's another thing that created, that contributed to kind of the, a little bit of, like, vibe of the show. You know what I mean? There was yeah, just a lot of things that before anything, that was like the pre- precursor. There exactly. Was, what was interesting, and we were saying this before, is even before everything with Kobe happened, almost the show was set up to be a very reflective, emotional show, like you were saying before. Right. So then on top of that, to have this news happen where it felt so raw, it was like, it was an interesting, it was such a different vibe, I'd say, than like last week with the SAGs, which is so, obviously you can't compare, but it was so happy and fun and full of like, like laughter. And this was a lot more, I guess, just sad. It was. Anything else that anybody wants to end on? Or include. Um, I'm so happy for Billie Eilish. Yeah, I'm so I'm so happy. Julie for and I were like so I was, fucking I like couldn't we, believe it. We were so we were weirdly like freaking out about this best new artist category. It's like it was like the stiffest competition. It was like we literally were like, who could win this? It's you think this and then that and then Rosalie is really hot because she's breaking all these boundaries. You know, her music's in Spanish and then, but I'm 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 so happy for Billie. So happy. Yeah. Did you see? Um, that Kanye did a Midnight Sunday service. Yeah, and Chance. And Chance broke down. Oh, my God. It was, yeah, that yeah, was, it very, was very emotional. emotional. I don't know. It was, yeah, it was a heavy night, and it was, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about it. I feel like it was It was hard to, like, put into words, and it was hard to watch it almost, but it was— It was hard know. to read. I mean, we were sitting here last night, and we're like, how are we supposed to do an episode talking about the red carpet fashions when— this just happened. It was very bizarre. But and how it all could happen at the one night that the only show is going on at the Staples Center. It was just, that it was, was very really eerie. Crazy. It was really, yeah. It, it was really, really was. eerie and it was really, yeah. Well, it's also this really haunting reality that I think we see a lot that 
life just goes on no matter what happens. Life just continually goes on. And I remember, obviously, such different circumstances, but I remember like a couple of days after my mom died being in a grocery store and I was like obviously distraught and everything, I just looked around. I hadn't been out of my house in like three mm-hmm. weeks. And I look around and everybody's just going about their business like normal. And I'm standing there like, how do you got in my head? I'm thinking, how does everybody not realize? You know, like my whole right. world had stopped. Right. And then you come outside to the, and in my house it stopped. And then you come outside to the real world and you realize, no, things are still going. And I just, it's just a very haunting thing. It and did kind of feel like for a moment yesterday that like that the, the world, world stopped. stopped. Like it but, just. But then you realize that it didn't, can't, which is and so crazy. And it can't. And it's just really crazy. So anyway, that is our show. We'll be back on Wednesday for our regular episode. A lot of stories to break down. And again, just seriously, our deepest condolences and our entire hearts go out to Kobe's entire family and all of the families of the victims. 